Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm going to read some things to you that the Holy Ghost, oftentimes He gives me. He gives me phrases, or He tells me things, and I write these things down. And I just read them just as he said them to me because this is God's words, not mine. It's not something I thought of. And so that's how I will often when I teach, I'll tell the congregation now, I'm going to say something that the Holy Ghost said to me so that you know it wasn't me saying it to you, but it's the Holy Spirit. He said to me, taking a stand of faith simply means you are laying hold of what is in the realm of provision or the realm of the spirit and drawing it into the realm of your need and manifestation. I'm going to read that again. Taking a stand of faith simply means you are laying hold of what is in the realm of provision or the realm of the spirit and drawing it into the realm of your need or manifestation and that you won't quit in the face of of opposition and time. Amen? That time, I am going to stand, the stand of faith is just continuing to hold firm in the face of time, in the face of opposition, what may be answering you back, like the fig tree answered Jesus back, in the face of that, that you are going to hold on to what is in the realm of the spirit with your faith. Your faith can only lay hold of what is in the realm of the spirit, which is the realm of provision. That's the realm of healing. That's God's realm. When my faith locks in and lays hold of what God has for me in the spirit realm, the stand of faith is simply holding on until it comes into the realm of the seen into the realm of manifestation. That is what God is asking me to do. When we say, I am going to take my stand of faith, that's not looking in the realm of the natural for things to change. That's knowing that I've laid hold of my change in the realm of the spirit, and I'm not letting go until it shows up. Amen. Amen. You're free from looking to the realm of the natural to have any sort of effect done to it. You're free from that. Tonight, we're going to learn how to be free from what we see, what we feel. Maybe you're facing a situation that has answered you back time and time and time again. But the stand of faith is learning to look in the face of even the clock and saying, I'm not going to be moved because I have laid hold with my words and with the help of the Spirit. I've laid hold in the unseen where the realm, the unseen unseen is the realm of provision. That's the realm of God's provision. So if you're looking to a job to provide, if you're looking to a doctor first, doctors are wonderful. They're blessings. They'll have the wisdom of God. I I just had a woman in my church. She's in her 70s, and she came to me. She said, I've got to have a procedure. It didn't look like it would be open-heart surgery, and she wanted to, to talk to me first before she went. And up on the inside, the joy of the Lord came up. As soon as she began to talk to me, I said, that's it. You go, and whatever they say to do, you do it. 
I said, that is, if you have faith in your heart to trust them, and she said, that's where my faith is at. I said, I've got peace in my heart. And I said, more than that, I've got joy. There's going to be, this is God, and, and this is going to uh, uh, make a change in your life, and it ended up affecting, she ended up having to have the open heart surgery, which is what they told her they didn't have to have, but we knew the answer beforehand. We knew that when she went in, they had the answer for her. And within weeks, uh, you would actually really within two weeks, you take a look at her. You have no idea. She just had open heart surgery. Moving around in her late 70s, it went wonderfully. Well, what was that? We laid hold of what the spirit had in the realm of the spirit, the answer. But if you're looking to the natural, if you're looking to somebody in the natural to be your answer, you're not looking to the realm of provision. You're looking to this natural realm. And so we must make sure that when we say we're taking our stand of faith, that we're not taking a stand and looking with natural eyes, natural senses, and natural understanding. That's the biggest thing I want to hit on tonight, is what can your mind understand naturally? I've got to lay aside natural understanding. Uh, He said to me, your mouth, speaking God's word, is the only thing the enemy is trying to challenge. That's what he's after, is God's word in your mouth. Don't take it personal. Don't take attacks personal. Don't, don't get touchy. Don't. One of the things I told my congregation, I said, if you're continually frustrated, if you're continually uh, not just anxious, but you can see that even your relationships with people around you, you're irritable, you're touchy. I went through the Holy Ghost gave me a list of about seven or eight things, signs that you are struggling with doubt and unbelief. And I don't have all those eight. That's not my sermon tonight. But one of them was being touchy and getting frustrated because you're not settled. When you're settled in your spirit that you have your answer, amen, you're not going to get touchy. Oftentimes, uh, those around us, see what happens when the devil comes and he starts harassing your mind with thoughts. It's never going to happen. It's never going to manifest. How much longer do you have to wait? What do we do? We start taking that and processing that in our understanding And then we start getting frustrated with people, with situations, with jobs, with businesses, with our bodies, with what isn't happening. How many of you, is it just me? Because I've been there a myriad of times. Almost regularly, we have to face it. So your mouth, what is he after? He's after me if I'm going to quit speaking the word of God, which is what's drawing my answer of provision. Amen. That's what he's looking for. He's after your words. Oh, he's after my family. He's, no, he's not. He's after the word of God. The devil hates the word of God. The word became flesh for me. The word was manifest for me in the form of a child who grew up to obey God's plan for his life, give his life for my life, and receive uh, into this earth my authority back. So the devil hates the word. He's looking for you to give up God's word in your mouth for the words of reasoning, for the words of doubt, for the words of understanding. So your mouth speaking God's word is the only thing the enemy is trying to challenge. The devil brings opposition to steal God's word from your mouth. If it's taken, if you allow God's word to be stolen from your mouth, then he can kill and destroy just by default. You know, things can be destroyed and be killed in your life simply because you didn't speak the word of God. You didn't speak life. So by default, when he steals the word, that's the first thing he's looking to steal from you. 
well, he's looking to steal my health. I thought, no, he's looking to steal the word of God regarding health from your mouth. Well, I thought he was after stealing my money. No, he's not after stealing your money. He wants to steal the word of God and the truth of the word of God regarding prosperity out of your mouth. He's not just looking for your money. He's looking for the word. Amen. So if I can keep the word in my mouth and keep my agreement in my heart and in my mouth, then it's easy for me to resist. It's easy for me to recognize uh, that as time passes, I can recognize, okay, this is not um, something that I need to be unsettled about because the word of God says, the word of God says, the word of God says, amen. The battle is the Lord's. A lot of people want to use this phrase, and I've had people say, the battle is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. I'm not fighting the enemy, but I, I can't leave the battlefield either. You know what I'm saying? You cannot, uh, I taught our creation, cast, there, there's a series we have, cast your care, not your expectation. A lot of people want to cast their care and then they walk away from it and they don't use their faith and their expectation. And I have seen it up close and personal. They say, well, so-and-so said, or the word of God said this for my life. They say it once and then they walk away because the battle is the Lord's. No, the fight of faith is getting up every day and with the word of God speaking what the word Word says, so you're drawing what's in that realm of the unseen. So don't don't lose sight of yes, the battle is the Lord's. I'm not, it's my authority though that has to be exercised so that he can keep working for me. So it's his, but I can't leave the battlefield, or else why would it say put on the whole armor of God? I've got a leg in this fight too. You know what I'm saying? I've got my part. And so you cannot give up your part. You've got to be active with your part in the fight of faith. And active every day when you wake up, that's the first thing the devil's going to want to do is take the word of God, especially when you've decided to go first class in faith. When you decide, I'm going first class in faith, then don't, don't be fooled into thinking that your first class seat is not going to be fought for by circumstances, uh, by situations, by things around you to keep you from sitting down. See, the first class seat of faith is the seat that God uh, authored for us. That's a seat Jesus paid for. You didn't even have to pay for that. He paid for that first class seat of faith. He bought me that seat. He paid the price for that seat. So when I go to get in first class, there's nothing more annoying than somebody getting up and down on an airplane and you're in the same row, you know, or they say, have you ever had those people, they get up and they stand in the aisle, you know, and they just stand there and then they look at every, we, we travel, I don't travel as much anymore, but you get those people and they stand up and they look and they're just, they're just nosy. They just look at what everybody's doing. I get it. It's a long flight for all of us. But if we all did that, you know, we all got up in the aisle and walked around. It would be a traffic jam. So, you know, I, I, I know there's people with conditions, but I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, you know, you have people and they'll stand over you and breathe on you. And they just stand there. You travel enough, you see a lot and you, it, around a lot of strange folk, like the people that put the towel on their face, right? <laughs> Right? <laughs> 
Mr. Doug, I thought the same thing when they brought that around the first time. I mean, you know, it's country come to town. I had no idea what this towel was for. I thought it was to, like, wipe my tray. <laughs> you know, to clean my spot off. Uh, but it wasn't. So I, I know if you're going to have a first class seat, you're going to have to force yourself by faith to sit down. You're going to have to, renewing your mind with the word of God keeps you in your seat. It keeps you from getting up, getting, sitting back down. Getting, don't give up your place of authority. That first class seat of faith is your place of authority. Don't get up, don't let, don't give it up for somebody else because family wants you sitting in the back with them just because they don't have faith. Just because they don't want to have that first, they don't want to take their place. They're hoping and a wishing and living on a, a small prayer as pastor was talking about this morning. They're hoping God's going to do something. That's taking your place, your seat of faith and getting up and going and sitting back by the commode and the last row with all the screaming kids. <laughs> don't give it up for anybody. Don't give it up. And not only that, if you give up your seat, there's going to be somebody else that's going to need you to take your seat of authority, take your place, and bring them along with you. Somebody's going to need you at some point. They're going to need you to be in your seat of faith. If you don't need you, somebody else is going to need you to be in that seat. Amen? The enemy's thoughts of fear and failure are to keep you paralyzed in the natural realm. The enemy's thoughts of fear and failure are to keep you paralyzed in this natural realm. But when you speak God's thoughts and his words, it reminds the devil that he's the one who's paralyzed. Have you ever had a tangible thought? That's why I call them a tangible thought. There's thoughts that you'll have and you'll be thinking about. I do the finances in our, in our household, mainly because Stephen has terrible handwriting, so he couldn't read. I'm old school. I still do a checkbook, you know, write out type check, um, you know, all the text to give. and all. I still haven't done it. I probably won't do it. Um, I like the old-fashioned. I got everything laid out. Pastor Angela helped me set up a couple years ago some extra stuff in our household. But uh, there are times when I have sat down and you just got to do the bills. You've got to do the natural duties of life. And there are times that just one thought leads to another that leads to another that leads to another. And before you know it, you're broke and you've lost everything. <laughs> and uh, the first thought wasn't a tangible thought, but that last one, boy, you felt that. Those tangible thoughts are thoughts that you started out with your own reasoning and your own imagination, and what happened is you got into the realm of the spirit, but it was the wrong spirit. It was a spirit of fear. That's what a tangible thought is. It's a thought brought on by the spirit of fear, and you feel it. Have you been there? You feel it. One symptom shows up, and the symptom doesn't necessarily itself alarm you. It's the thought that comes along with it. It's the tangible thought that begins to rest on you as you begin to meditate on the reasoning of, well, my mama had that and my daddy had that. And well, the doctor did say the last time I was there that I need to be looking for such and such. Well, it wasn't the symptom, but it was the mindset. It's the tangible thought that comes to accompany that. The devil's looking to see if you'll take that thought along with 
what's showing up. Well, when there's nothing in the bank account, it's not nothing being in the bank account that you need to be concerned about. It's the thoughts that have come to steal God's word out of your mouth regarding what's already yours, what God has already said about what he's going to do for you. That's what we're to be on guard about. I don't care if the bank account says zero, says 500, says 2,000. I really don't care because my job is to keep the thoughts that are opposing God's will for my life. That's what I'm more occupied with. I'm more occupied with taking those thoughts and answering them with the word of God so that I don't have to deal with tangible thoughts following me around regardless of what my bank account says. When you can learn to shut down tangible thoughts and answer them with the word of God, now you're getting somewhere in faith. And that's what tonight I want to arrive, because I'm putting a couple of sermons together, I want to arrive somewhere. Look at, I told you to go, um, turn with me real quick to Colossians chapter 2. Let's go there first, and then we'll... Where did I tell you? Second Corinthians. Okay. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 15. Amplified says, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were arranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him, in it, in the cross. My salvation is found at the cross. But this is something the Holy Ghost said to me one day. My authority, he said, your salvation is found at the cross, but your authority is found at the resurrection. The closer I live and talk and act in line with who I've been raised to be, the less I struggle with what I see. I'm going to say that again. My salvation is found at the cross, but my authority is found in the resurrection. My salvation is found when he died for me, when he paid the price, his blood was shed, I was saved. But my authority to walk out that salvation is found on the day he rose from from the dead. When he rose and went to the Father and put my name down, gave me a seat, a first-class faith seat, that was the day that everything that he bought for in salvation, now I've got the authority to draw on it, to call on it, to answer with it. Amen? Amen. So we have to be mindful that we've got uh, to live in the place that we've been raised to be. The less I struggle, when I live and act and talk in line with where I've been raised to be, the less I will struggle with what I see. If you're struggling with what you see, with what you hear, go back to where you were raised to be. Go back to that seat. Every thought that the enemy would try to suggest to my mind is a thought according to this scripture. Every thought that the enemy would try to suggest to my mind is a thought from a being who in front of all of heaven and hell was paraded in defeat. And that demon wants to see if I will live as defeated as he is. He's looking to see if I will take the thought from the defeated place that he lives at. I refuse to take his, those are his defeated thoughts. That's from the place he lives in. So what you can do is take those thoughts and when you answer them with the word of God, what it's doing is it's reminding them how they were defeated. 
Any thought that puts you in a place of defeat, in a place of depression, in a place of oppression, in a place of less than, in a place of you're never going to make it. How are you going to do this? You, you don't have the education. You look at your family history. Any thought of that nature is not a thought that's been given at the place that you've been sat. You know, when you ride first class, they make you feel like a million dollars. They make you, I, it's true, don't they? They make you, they wait on you, hand of anything you want, they, they offer you. Coach doesn't get blankets to keep covered up when it's cold anymore. You can't even buy them. But they give you pillow, they give you blanket, they give you a meal, they give you a snack, they give you a second snack. You know, they give you whatever you want in first class. That is what God has offered us. He has given us everything that heaven itself enjoys. But if you don't stay sitting, if you take the thought and go backwards, you're going to forfeit what God has provided. The devil and every cohort has been defeated, and hell and, and, hell and heaven all know it. But it doesn't do us any good if they know it. It's whether or not you know it. Do you know it? Do you understand who you are in Christ? Do you understand what happened on the day of the resurrection? Where that put you in standing with God? Do you get that? Amen? Now, let's see here. What do we say? 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We know this passage just so we can see. When Jesus spoiled principalities, he also spoiled every suggestion that those principalities can ever make to you. Remember that. He spoiled that. That, that thought, that tangible spirit of fear that's trying to suggest things to your thought life is talking to you from his place of defeat. I'm not going down there with him. I'm going to stay up here and answer and remind him that thought that he's bringing has already been paraded in front of all of heaven and hell as a defeated thought. That's a defeated thought. Amen? It's like my, my middle child, Bear, he's so competitive and he's so athletic. It's from such a young age, we could tell. And, you know, if you told him a loser, he wouldn't believe you, even if you, you know, made him write it down 300 times. That kid, in his mind, he is a winner all day, every day. When it comes to, you know, sports and athletics, you know, primarily because his brother is not quite as athletic. So it gives you a real ego boost uh, <laughs> when you're the more athletic of the two. They both have their strengths, uh, but he gets a real ego boost when he gets out there with dad or with me. And we go, we always go out and throw the football on the weekends. And uh, there's a little more skill uh, that he's got than, than, than the other one. And so... Uh, I always remind myself that I need to have the same confidence that my Bearsy has when it comes to what he's good at. You know, I'm going to be good at the word. I'm going to be confident that when I speak the word, that heaven hears it and hell hears it. And they both respond accordingly to God's word. It's not my words. It's God's words in my mouth. It's God's power backing up. What I say that he has said about me. Amen? Look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Inasmuch we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. 
We must become skillful at taking our authority over thoughts. We must have revelation of who we've been saved to be, not just that we've been saved. I need to have revelation of who I've been saved to be, who God's called me to be, not just that I've been saved. Thank God I've been saved. Thank God I've been redeemed. Thank God I've been born again. But I want to go past that. I'm going to get out of coach. I'm going into full class faith, first class faith, the fullness of the faith, taking the fullness of the measure of faith that I have and walking that out. Amen? If heaven didn't grant me a thought, I reject it on the basis of where I'm seated and who I am, not basis of what I've done, not because how many of you know we can make mistakes? You say, I've made a mistake. I've gotten myself in a mess that I, only the mercy of God could get me out of. Only by the mercy of God. But see, when you learn to speak the word of God from where you're seated, which is what? The mercy seat. Then it's easy to call upon his mercy. And it's easy to reject those thoughts of that was all your fault. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have made that move. You shouldn't have done that to your body. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have gone there. It's easy to reject and answer those and take those captive with the word of God when you know where you're sitting at the mercy seat. Amen? Now, I want to, there was two parts to this because I, I wanted to say the first part so that we laid a foundation with some things in faith. I was faced, my husband and I, we've been faith, faced with some situations. God led us to buy a home, and I know he led us to buy a home as much as I'd like to say he didn't lead us to buy a home so we could sell the home that he told us to buy because it would be a lot easier, and uh, I'd be perfectly happy living somewhere else. Uh, but God told us to buy this home, and there was a reason and there was a purpose, and we know the reason and we know the purpose, and that's because at the level of faith that uh, we need to be at for the ministry Doctor, uh, my husband's father is not here anymore, and Pastor Nancy draws on us in a, a greater capacity now with our faith for the ministry. We've got greater responsibilities with the ministry. There's things um, that she expects us to be believing for and uh, learning, you know, and growing in. And this this home was training for that. He's not going to let us take a need for the ministry. And practice our faith of needing, you know, tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars on, when the ministry's on the line, when he can train us in our personal life. And that's exactly what he has done, uh, much to sometimes our frustration uh, and our, our, like I said, our desire to just sell it and go do something else. Uh, but we know more is at stake. The ministry, uh, what God has, the next thing that God has for our family. And so we set out and, and just buying the home um, was an adventure. And the people wanted the home back and we they almost got it back. But because of us knowing what God said to us and holding fast to God's word, it came down to the last hour uh, that the deal went through and they were not able to, they were going to come and kick us out of, of the house. And then uh, we had to get the home within a year, we had to get the home refinanced. And so um, that was down to the last, you know, month or so uh, that we had to get that done. And we still have another step in the process within this next year. Uh, 
but with that, we have had to uh, take and the income that we have, we have not gotten a raise on. We are, are, our expenses have doubled, but we didn't get a raise. God told her, don't get us a raise because we have to learn to stand on the word of God and nothing else. And uh, thank God for that. <laughs> I always think back to my pastor talking about when they started the church, I would always go back to this, and I would converse with God over this. Now, God, I see where my pastors are, because I wasn't there uh, in the early years when they started the church in California. I've heard the many stories, and we've talked about those, and I would talk to God about that, but I remember my pastor talking about when he started the, they started the church, and what was it? Hot dogs, beans and weenies, and the, the sacrifices of faith, because I don't like just calling them sacrifices. They're sacrifices that you make by faith. They're not done. The sacrifice itself, as he was saying this morning, that sacrifice is not, that not pleasing to God. It's when you do it by faith. So I love talking about the sacrifices we've had to make by faith. Uh, we have ate many a pot of rice in the last, you know, few, <laughs> few years. Uh, rice and beans. Here it's beans and weenies. Out in California, it's rice and beans. And uh, you're, you're in the Southwest. And so uh, these sacrifices of faith that we've made in these times where things have been tight and you're living with, you know, off credit cards and you, you're just trying to get your bearings and your foothold in faith. And it was during one of these times, because it was accelerated for us, what I felt, I, you know, you feel like you're, you're a 50-year-old person in a 33-year-old body, 34-year-old body, with where we're having to be stretched to. I said, God, most people get years to get to this place. And you're, you know, I feel like this has been a sprint, and I feel like it should be a marathon. You know, this is not fair. You want to tell them it's not fair fair. It's not right. Uh, but every time you go to service, every time you go to the office, you remember, I know why I'm here, why we must be stretched and why the demand must be there. And so with one of these times, I remember the thought coming, don't call her. Don't call Pastor Nancy. Don't ask her. You know, you're pastoring. You should know these things. You should be seeking out. Well, those were, that was a thought of accusation, really. And I remember calling her and saying, I know my faith is at a certain level. I know that I've been speaking the word, releasing my faith. How many of you have been there? You know that you know. You know the promise. I know God's my provider. I know every day I wake up, one of the first things I say is, God is my source for all things. God is my source. I want Everyone in the house to hear it. My kids know that saying. My daughter knows that saying. We'll say it on the way to school. God is my source. And I said, I know he's my source. I know he's provided. I know what he's done. I've seen and heard the testimonies. I know what the word says. Why is it that it seems like I am not moving forward in this? And nothing is changing. And these certain particular thoughts seem to be coming over and over again. And she said something to me. She said, faith comes. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. She said, but peace grows. You must have your peace intact in order for you to make progress. And as soon as she said that, 
on the inside of me. It was like an instant sermon. Everything began to unfold. And immediately, I began to act on what she had said, that one statement. And so I want to wrap up tonight with just that little bit, because that's what I've been teaching on. Faith must come by hearing the word of God, but you must grow your peace. Turn with me, if you would, go to, uh, let's go to Philippians. Go to Philippians. Excuse me, go to Ephesians. Ephesians, flip over a couple. Ephesians chapter 6. And it says here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Amplified says, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Notice where peace is. It's on your feet. No peace, you cannot make movement. You can have your sword of the spirit. You can have your shield of faith. You can answer thoughts. But if your peace isn't intact, you cannot move forward. How do we move forward in this life? With our feet. My feet take me. My brain tells me I am hungry. Go to the fridge and get a snack. Right? But it's my feet that take me there. You can answer with faith. But if every time you answer, you're unsure, if every time a thought comes, you entertain it even just for a moment and you let it unsettle you before you get back in line with what the word of God says, you haven't rested in peace yet. Peace is what gets you moving in this life. It's the peace of God preparing your path, preparing your way. Your feet must have the peace of God. Amen? Uh when she said this to me, faith comes and peace grows, I had realized I had been developing my faith so much to the degree that I told her, I said, what I'm believing for every month, what I need to see come in just to meet my bills, I already know my measure of faith is beyond that amount. I, cause, and I, and I had, I had uh, uh, you know, there was times where I had to believe for more than that, even with the ministry. You know, projects I was believing for, I took on myself. And more came in than what I'm believing for every month just to meet my bills. But there was one thought that kept unsettling me. Just one thought. It took one thought. Every week, it seemed like my peace was being taken. But my faith was intact. You can have faith but if you're not walking in peace, if you're not staying in peace, if you're letting things unsettle you, if you're letting things, we could say, unnerve you, you know, if you're letting things talk to you and you meditate them, the reasonings, the imaginations, the things you can figure out, the understandings, if you're still trying to understand 
things in the natural, things with your natural understanding, you're going to struggle with God's understanding. What does it say in Ephesians? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ granted us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of my understanding, that's my spiritual understanding, not my understanding up here. I need my spirit to understand what God has for me. I need my spirit to lay hold of his answers. I need my spirit it's what my spirit understands because what my mind understands is never, it's, it's nine times out of ten, it's never going to catch up to what my spirit knows. My spirit in the, can lay hold of in the realm of spirit by faith what my mind could never comprehend. Amen? So I need my understanding. That's why it's so important to pray that scripture. Declare that scripture over yourself every day. That the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your spirit are enlightened. So what had happened was my spirit was enlightened, my heart understood, I knew God was my source, but I kept tripping up over, all I had to do was bring one thought, one thought, one thought, one tangible thought, and it would get me off. And I could tell that it would linger, you know, when it would come, it would linger for days. And I told her, I said, I can't get past it. She said, when you can learn to not let that thought unsettle you, that's when you've won. And that's when God began, like I said, he began to unfold uh, uh, these things that I've been teaching our congregation. Go to Philippians 4. So we see here that it's going to take peace for you to move forward. Not just faith, peace. Philippians 4, verse 6. says, do not fret, the amplified, or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace with tra which transcends all, notice that word, understanding, this is what God said to me. If you want to have peace that passes all understanding, you have to give up the habit of wanting to understand everything. I want peace that passes all understanding. Then I'm going to have to give up my desire and my, because what would, what would happen is, is, is a thought would come because a need would be there and I'd be trying to think about where's the money going to come from? Well, how's it going to come? Well, you know, what avenue? Well, what can I do? Do I plan for this? Do I save for this? I don't have any money to save for this because the money today is gone today. <laughs> the money tomorrow will be gone tomorrow. What I was always trying to gain understanding of how this was going to be taken care of. How was God going to do what only God could do? I knew God was going to do it, but I wanted my understanding involved. And that's when God began to deal. Peace leaves your understanding aside and gains understanding of what he has, what he wants, what he desires through him, my place in Christ. And I rest in that, casting the care and the peace which transcends all my understanding, a garrison shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's already in there. It's already inside of you. You don't need to get peace. That's why peace grows. It's a fruit in here. As you water it with the Word, how does fruit grow? With water. You know, the water, uh, light, water, and a fruit tree, a plant begins to grow. 
So when you water it with the word of who you are in Christ, that's when the peace begins to grow. Peace is not meant to just stay in your heart. You know the song I've got, the joy, 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 right down in my heart. You know, peace that passes understanding down in my heart. I need that peace to get out of my heart and grow up. See, as peace grows, what does it do? It starts building a garrison. I need it around my mind. I need it. A lot of us have peace in our heart. We know in our heart what God wants to do for us. We sit in a faith church. You sit in this pew any longer than two weeks. You have faith. <laughs> and you probably got a decent measure of it. <laughs> You'd surprise yourself. But what keeps us from stepping out and moving forward? Lack of peace. We've got to get that peace, the preparation, our feet shod with peace so that when we move forward, we have no issue with those tangible thoughts. We have no issue with our understanding. We have no issue with trying to figure it out and reason it out. That peace has grown and builds a garrison. That, that fruit of the Spirit is picked so quickly. So not only am I answering thoughts that come to me, but then I go and I pick peace off. And I say, oh, Father, I thank you. You love me. You've been so faithful to me. Your word says, and I begin to rehearse back. I answer the thought by faith with the shield of faith, but then I draw and I move forward with God by peace. I move forward. I walk with him. Remember when, when Adam and Eve, that's what was so significant about the garden. They walked with God in the cool of the day. God was always with them. They fellowshiped. What a peaceful place. You can have that. We have been reconciled back to God. We are one with him. He lives in me. So when I begin to walk and talk with him about his word and about who he is in my life and about uh, what he's done for me, the law of love is the law that we live by. And that's not just the law to walk in love with one another, but that's the law of love to understand. He loves me so much that he is taking care of me that he has made me to sit at his right hand. Amen. Now, where do we go? Philippians. <clears throat> what you understand and can comprehend and reason with your natural mind will never bring you peace. Decide that now. What you can understand and reason and comprehend cannot bring you peace. This year alone, just for us, I mean, God, there were avenues that money... In, in this, it's been almost, I think, three years or four years, I think three years since we've had the house. There's been ways that God has taken care of us in avenues. And this year, literally, God took away every avenue. He gave us a couple years to get settled, and then he took away all other avenues to see if we would pursue the avenues or if we would pursue him. And it has paid off. To pursue him because the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is the richness of having the faith on the inside, the peace knowing. I love what Pastor Anderson said. When you do it right and you do it by faith, then you can be sure every time you'll get the exact same results. God is looking to bring us to a place of consistency. See, avenues can be inconsistent, but God is always consistent. Take away the avenues, and it makes you dependent on the one who is dependable. Amen? And so that's where we had to come to. That's, that's what it took. 
if we're going to move forward and believe for the hundreds of thousands of millions that are, are a must to get the gospel and to get the message around the world, this is what had to be done. But the steps had to be taken and have to, what is it that God has for your life? What is the plan for your life? Where are you going? Do you know where you're going? Do you know what he's asked you to do? Do you know what the plan that he has for your family, for your children? Do you have a comprehension of that? Have you talked to him about it? If you go back when it says uh, there in Philippians, casting the whole of your care, it says with thanksgiving, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. You know what prayer is? Prayer is talking to God. When was the last time you talked to God about your future? Or do you just think about it? You know, in the mornings when you're getting ready, I take that time because, ladies, you're doing your makeup. You could be getting kids ready. You could be making breakfast. A lot of times we spend that time thinking instead of hearing and listening to the word. I've made an effort. As Pastor was saying, he's, he has a habit. My habit is at the times when I'm most tempted to think about my life, I listen to what God says about my life. I turn on the word. I turn on teaching. I fill those moments when the reasonings want to show up with God's thoughts. Amen? And so when was the last time you talked to him? Because if the care is there about his future, God's going to lead you and cause you to step out. He's going to lead you to places and step out in faith. But that's according to his plan for your life. But you've got to know what that plan is and be sure of it. There was times we just had to answer, this is the will of God. That's all I had to stand on. Nope, we're here. We're in this position. We have these needs because this is the will of God. That's sometimes all I knew to answer with. This is the will of God for my life. And I'm not moving from it. I'm not leaving it. Amen. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 14. And we'll wrap up with this. I don't, I think I've been, I've been going about 45 minutes. I'll keep up with PG. Pastor Greg. Uh, let's see here. Matthew chapter 14. Listen, if you're going to believe God, then believe. He didn't give all of what he had from heaven for us to give half of what we have in believing it. That's what the Holy Ghost said to me a couple Tuesday nights ago. If you're going to believe, then believe. He didn't just give all of what he had from heaven for us to give half of what we had in believing it. I'm not called to give half of what I had to believe in the all that he gave me. I'm called to give all in believing what he has promised for me, what he gave for me. When your faith is to a measure of stepping out beyond your resources, your natural senses, what is sensible, and the mental knowledge that you have, that is when the spirit of fear, anxiety, and worry are going to try and take hold and stop your movement. See, the measure of faith can be there for you to make movement. But once you step out, that's when the enemy's going to try to step in and take the peace away from you and see if you'll take those worry thoughts. See if you'll reason yourself out so that you'll back up. Have you ever seen, you know, when somebody's got a sword, uh, you know, those that fight, maybe it's, um, what do they call those, a fencer or just anybody. You never see somebody with a sword going to fight and they're standing like this waving their sword. Do you? 
Their feet are always moving. It's their feet that keep them stable. It's their feet that cause them to get their enemy back on their heels. That's what peace is going to do. It's not just your faith. It's not just being able to rehearse 25 scriptures about what you're believing for. It's are you settled in God's plan for your life? Are you at peace? Are you continuing to follow rabbit trails of of what's making you uneasy, trying to figure out how it's going to happen, how I can make it happen? And then that's when we get ourselves into even more trouble. Well, God told me to do this, and then you take the reins back instead of having your feet shod with peace so that you can hear from the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that's going to help you develop that fruit that's on the inside. I need his leadings. But see, every time you see something, so when we want to use the sword of the Spirit, when we want to use our shield, we've got to remember our feet must be engaged. The peace of God must be just as active as our faith. You must learn how to be just as active at staying in peace as you are staying in faith. Amen. If the devil can't stop faith from coming, which if you're sitting in these seats, he cannot, he'll try to bring those tangible thoughts to keep peace from growing. If he can't keep faith from coming, he's going to try to keep your peace from growing. If he can't come and take the word that's been given, if you receive it in your heart, he'll try to bring thoughts and reasonings to get you unsettled about stepping out in faith, about fully believing God. Partial believe in God, I'll partially believe in myself, believe what I can do. I'll try to do some things myself, and then I'll I'll expect God to do the rest. As Pastor Anderson was saying this morning, uh, you know, brings 85% healing, but I'll do the last 15 Or hope he does the last 50. No, he goes all the way. Peace trusts him till the very last dollar comes in, till the very last symptom. Peace keeps moving forward until the manifestation is complete. Amen? Look here, and this is a wonderful example in the scripture. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25. We know this. The disciples were out on the ship in the midst of the sea. And verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The Amplified says in verse 27, but instantly he spoke to him saying, take courage, I am, stop being afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me from death. There it is. You start out walking on the water. The next minute, you're dying. (laughs) You start out confessing the word. The next minute, you're bankrupt. (laughs) Why? Because you felt something. You heard something, 
you perceive something. A tangible thought came. Peter walked on water with little faith. What are you doing with your measure? What am I doing with my measure? Jesus said Peter didn't, he didn't say you didn't have faith. He said you had little faith. Peter walked and defied God's creation with little faith. So why is it that he sunk? He lost his peace. This is how I always pictured it. Here's the boat. Here's Jesus. He got about halfway. You're too far to run back to the boat. And you're too far to run to Jesus. You start perceiving. How many of you have been there? You have stepped out in faith. And you are too far in this thing. <laughs> to go back. And you're not quite there to the end. So what happens? This is when the bombarding thoughts, this is when the tangible thoughts, this is when the devil comes to take your peace to see if you'll sink in the midst of walking on the water. It wasn't a lack of faith that he sunk. He saw the wind and the waves and he lost the peace that he had. Because when Jesus spoke the word, instantly it drew on the faith that was on the inside of him and peace was there to walk. Why? Because he knew Jesus. You understand peace comes from knowing God. Let me, let me just say to you what the Holy, how the Holy Ghost said it to me. Peter, seeing the wind and the waves, the enemy will make sure you see something other than your desired result. Peace only sees God, and faith only sees the promise. What happened? He took his eyes off of God. Faith was there, and let me, let me show it the way God showed it to me. Faith was there because he had already been seeing Jesus' miracles. He saw, so his faith had, had grown, even if to a little bit. He had seen Jesus work miracles. Peace doesn't come from seeing and hearing testimonies and seeing what God has done. Peace comes from knowing God. So he not only had seen what Jesus done, but see, he knew Jesus. He knew him. When he got his eyes off the one he knew, he started sinking. But there was still faith there. So even if you find yourself sinking, even if you find yourself, things are not moving forward, don't quit on your faith. Don't think, I don't have enough faith. Sometimes we've just got to go back to the basics of, I need to get my eyes back on God. I need to get them back on him. Not just the promise. Joy comes when we see what God has for us as believers. Joy develops as faith comes. Peace grows when we see who we are as believers. Does that make sense? Joy comes when we see what we have as believers, but peace comes when we know who we are as believers. When I know who I am, I'm at peace. No thought can trouble me because I know who I am as a child of God. We've got joy. We get excited. Pastor preaches, Pastor Angel, Pastor Greg preaches about the promises of God, about what God has done, about what God is going to do. And our faith gets stirred and we get excited and we walk right out and we still struggle with the same thoughts over and over and over again. Because peace keeps its eyes on God. Faith keeps its eyes on the promise. When you can learn to do both, that's when we start moving forward in the things that God has prepared for us. Peace grows when we see who we are. Faith knows their 
Faith knows there's provision and peace knows the provider. Faith believes it's healed. Peace fellowships with the healer. So we can confess healing scriptures and we can read them and faith is coming. But when was the last time we fellowshiped with the healer? Are we so focused on being healed? What about knowing provisions for your life? Instead of going back and fellowshipping with the provider, peace focuses on we're to do both. We're to have both. Remember, faith comes, but peace grows. What do I do if I uh, am going to sit down with somebody here? Let's say I'm going to sit down with the Andersons. It's been a year since I've seen them, and I'm going to sit down with them. What are we going to do? We're going to grow our relationship. We're going to catch up. We're going to find out what's been going on in their life. They're going to find out what's been going on in my life. Our relationship has to grow from fellowship. For peace to grow in your life, you've got to grow in your fellowship with God. You fellowship with him around his word. You fellowship with him around who he's made you to be, not what you think yourself to be. Amen? Revelation of who you are in Christ, it casts out fear because it's revelation of his love for you. Amen? So we see here that Peter walked on the water with little faith, but it was when he got unsettled it's when he lost his peace that he began to sink. I'll close with a um, well, let me say this. Faith acts made from a place of fear are acts of fear. There was, I'm going to close with this funny story uh, because it's funny about me. I don't know the stories about your life, but I can certainly use the bad examples of my life. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that long ago that uh, my husband was gone preaching um, and Pastor Nancy was gone preaching. She was gone for a whole month and I was at home with the church and we had a baby. It was on a Sunday. I'd preach that Sunday morning. And, of course, um, you know, preaching, you're still a mother, so you're still doing all the motherly duties, you know, and pastoring. And so I, I enjoy both. I enjoy pastoring far more than I ever thought I would. It's, it, I would do it forever if that was the option, but that's not the option. Uh, and so I was so excited. We had a baby shower that day for a family in the church, for a lady in the church. We were going to go with the ladies. And so um, we had gotten down to our last little bit of money. My husband was out of town. And so I had it, you know, everything was kind of rationed until he got home. You know, we're believing God. We're good. You know, this is exciting. I, I, I'm kind of with Pastor Anderson. He always says, it, he tells a story when they were first sitting on. She said, it was not exciting. It was interesting, and I tend to take the approach of pastor, you know, this is exciting. You know, you get the thrill of not knowing, and you get out of your head, and you just go, boy, every day a miracle awaits me, and then there's times you don't feel like that, but uh, at this particular time, you know, Bible school was starting, everybody's gone, you know, I've got the Bible school, the church, the kids, and my uh I tell, I call my brother-in-law. I said, you're coming over. 
I'm having some of the kids whose moms are going to be at the baby shower. They're going to come over and swim. It was a weekend. It was like 114 out. I said, they're going to come over. You and Joelle, Joelle's our church secretary and my secretary, said, you and Joelle and Grant's roommate, you two are coming over. You're watching the kids. I bought some pizzas, and this is what you got to do because I'm leaving. So I go to get change, get in my car. The guys were there. Kids were showing up. And I go to back out. It was so hot. We leave our garage door sometimes halfway open. We had been doing that because it had been so hot. And the dogs, will their cages are in there. And so I left it open. And it was just open enough that I couldn't see it out my rearview mirror. So I put it in reverse. And I'm not a crazy driver. But I backed in, thank God, at not a super high speed, into my garage door. Mind you, this is a very nice garage door. Um, insulated, very nice, high-end garage door. And I pushed the bottom panel all the way out to where it got stuck in the stucco. And I couldn't get it back in, couldn't get it open. And I was stuck and a little scratch on my car, but the garage door was shot. So that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I call my husband crying, I don't want to tell you this, you know, got to tell you that here's the garage door. I don't know what to do. I'm trying to pull it back in. I get Joelle Grant, get on the other side. It's not budging. So I call him. I am just in hysterics uh, because we don't have the money for a garage door. And all the nice expensive guns, I can say that here are in that garage. So I am just, my mind is just on tilt if this door will not shut. And uh, I call Pastor Nancy and I am just beside myself. And I'm, because I, I don't know what to do. You know, you, you just, you, I've spent every ounce of faith I have just for our monthly expenses. She said, well, at least it wasn't the dog. I said, I would have rather been the dog. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, she goes, you don't mean that. I said, I do. <laughs> One bullet, we would have been done. So... Thank God my husband had preached that morning. He wasn't preaching that night, so I didn't derail him. I, he says, call Brother Graves. Call Dean Graves. He'll know what to do. Brother Graves is our dean of the Bible school. He's from Texas. Him and Josh, he said, oh, darling. I mean, thank God for somebody that shows up. He said, darling, it's going to be fine. I, I, it'll be all right. You know, I'm just beside, you're sweating. There's kids now running around everywhere. You're trying to get the pizzas in the oven. In the midst of all of this, the mother who, she's having her fourth child, one of her kids came over. He goes missing. The garage door is out. There's a child missing on my four acres. <laughs> And I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. And so I call a police officer, and I, I go down. I, we're calling him, calling him. He's not in the pool. That was part of the issue. He didn't want to swim. I'm calling him, calling him, calling him. Uh, I call the police officer. How soon do I call the sheriff before, you know, like, give me a time frame. He goes, call him right now. In the meantime, his dog had died that morning. And so he was having a rough go. This dog had diabetes, and they should have put it down a long time ago. This isn't live stream, so I could say that. It was current Jennifer's. 
And so he said, he goes, I'll be right over. So I call the sheriff. They're giving you the 110 questions. I'm like, look, this kid is missing. He's not in the pool with the other kids, and he's not at the bottom of it. He has gone somewhere. And he lives around the corner. So I don't know if he went and hopped his fence. In the meantime, his daddy is in Minnesota with my husband. So his parents are MIA. And you're try- I'm just trying to make a nice baby shower for your mother here. <laughs> you're going to do this to me. Listen, at this point, peace was gone. You know what I'm saying? Gone. So we go down the hill. We come back up the hill to the house. And I'm standing there. The sheriff shows up. And finally, you know, Isaiah's his name. Isaiah's missing. That's all I could say. Isaiah's missing. Isaiah, that's what we say now as a joke when things are going a little bit awry. Isaiah's missing. Because Isaiah being missing was the icing on the cake. Isaiah's missing. The sheriff shows up. About that time, Grant finds him hiding in the garage trying to play a game. He'd been gone for like 35 minutes. Has him by the hand and is walking him out. I'm mad. I'm going to spank him, you know, because his mama's from South Carolina. She's Southern. I told her, you can spank my kids. I can spank her kids. So he knew he was in trouble. And so he's got him, and then here comes the sheriff. Oh, hey, sonny boy, how are you? Does he want a sticker? No, he doesn't want a sticker. You're not giving him anything. You can go now. You're ruining my discipline. We get rid of them. We go in the house, and the house is full of smoke. My help had burned the pizzas in the oven, and the uh, fire alarm is going to be going off. So needless to say, I did not tell my husband about Isaiah going missing and the burnt pizzas till after he got home. So I wasn't going to add that either. And by the time it was all said and done, kids get fed. Brother Graves fixed the garage door. He got it closed. Thank God. We got it, we, we hammered it till it got straightened out somewhat. You can still see the dents. And we got it closed because he was going to have me sleep in a cot out in front of the garage just to keep it secure. And you know what? That's my penance. That's what I would have had to do. You know, I've never gotten a ticket. I've never gotten a car accident. So I was super, you know, just that alone would make you frazzled. And so I go back in the house and by the time the kids leave, my brother-in-law's so great. He said, let me take the kids with me. So he takes my three kids. And my first thought when I got everybody cleared out, got all, because nobody put the pool toys away, got all the pool toys put away. I, it's now down to about 100 degrees. I jump in the pool, fully clothed. I'm so hot. You're tired. I had not eaten breakfast, lunch, preached a whole sermon, found Isaiah, dealt with the sheriff, Clean the house. And the first thought that comes is, you better get in the word. And you need to be praising. And you need to be praying because now you've got this need. I'm going, yeah, I do. On top of needing money for food, I need money for a garage, my mortgage. And, you know, you're going through you're going through the list. You're just going through. I need to be doing something of faith. But, see, a faith act A faith act done in fear is still a fear act. It's not a faith act. And so at that moment, I said, no, because I'm not in peace. I am more frazzled trying to pray and praise than I am. So I went in, made myself some dinner, and I binge watched my favorite masterpiece 
TV show. That's what I did. And I can, he- can tell you this, when I did that, it was like a tangible, you mean God will show up during a TV show? If it's an act of faith, he will. The tangible presence of God showed up and began to minister to me, began to talk to me. Why? Because I needed to be settled in who I am as a child of God, not trying to work the levers of faith, trying to make something happen. You know, then I repented about the dog, statement. <laughs> because protecting my peace is just as important as protecting my faith. At that moment, you don't feel like a faith person. So what do you want to do? You want to protect your faith. Sometimes it's not about protecting your faith. It's about protecting your peace. Because peace is what keeps us moving forward. And lo and behold, the next night, we had three gals in our church pregnant. The very next night, one of them who was full term, um, I got a phone call that they, she, she couldn't feel her baby move anymore. And I was at the hospital within 15 minutes, and they were doing emergency C-section, and her baby had gone home to be with the Lord. And the devil was after the same thing with her that he was after with me. He was after our thoughts. He was after our minds. And so if I hadn't have protected my peace, which is an act of faith, that's a first-class faith seat. Peace is a first-class faith seat every time. Follow peace. Follow the leadings. Follow the word. Follow the one who has provided that peace on the inside of you. Know the provider. Know the healer. Don't just know about provision. Don't just know about healing. Know him. When I had to go to the hospital and be the pastor for somebody else, when I was just dealing, I've got my own stuff going on at home. You're always going to be dealing with something, but you're always going to come encounter, come in line with somebody and, and face with somebody that's going to need more than you do. I was able to walk her and her husband through the most, what could have been the most devastating event in their life. You know, so she was so distraught at first, so, uh, I almost had to get up on her bed, you know, so irate had to crawl up, had she not had a C-section, I was going to crawl up there and grab her by her face. But what I had to do the night before, I had to grab my own self, grab my own, you know, my own hair, but grab myself and say, no, you don't. You're not losing your thoughts over this. You're not losing, you know, everything that you have stretched for, everything you've, you've reached for, everything that God has led you, everything you followed him for. You're not losing it over a garage door. And Isaiah missing. You're not going to do that because you just don't know the next day or the next week or the next month when your peace and who you are is going to water somebody else's life, what they're going to need. Amen? And the devil knew. He knew he wanted, if he could have derailed me, it would have taken out a, a whole family would have struggled. Whole family would have been uh, in difficulty. You know, yes, I'm the pastor and I'm anointed to be their pastor, but I still have it, it, my life, your life as a believer, especially those of you who are developed believers, it's going to be important what you do with your life of faith and whether you walk in peace or not, it will directly affect somebody else's victory. They got victory that night because 
peace of God, the peace of God was first and foremost. It was the most important thing that we, I had been walking in, we'd been teaching the congregation in. So it really matters, if not for yourself, but for somebody else. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Anderson, that's all I have. Amen. You know, when in uh, <clears throat> I tell you sometimes about my my routines, I uh, you know your Christian walk is not going to be defined by uh, what you do in an emergency. Your Christian walk is going to be defined by what you do habitually. Your Christian, your disciplines, your habits. That's what enables you to uh, arise in these times of crisis. What have you been doing on a daily basis? And, uh, you know, there's the next verse uh, in Ephesians 4 where she was reading from of the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The next verse says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I have this list, and I didn't count them up, but I have, I have these words uh, close to me in the mornings. True, noble, just, pure, lovely, Good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. And on a regular basis, I school myself, think on these things. You have to think on the right things. If you don't think on the right things, you'll think on the wrong things. Because the enemy will put, put faults in your minds. I love what Pastor Morgan says, these tangible faults. They don't start out that way, but they become that way. And I have just learned to school myself to think on these things. When thoughts come to me, is that, is, you know, it might be true, but is it lovely? <laughs> if it, it, might be a, it might be true, but is it just? Is it right? No. Is it, it, it might be uh, 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 noble in somebody's eyes, but is it praiseworthy? It has to pass the test of all of these things. And so I just, I get myself in the habit of, and so I just, I just wrote down those words just because I've read the scripture, you know. I just keep them, I just keep them next to me in the mornings, next to my, I've had this little uh, chair, I've got a recliner and I've got these two tables on either side and I just keep just, noble, pure, lovely, I just keep this list. I'm telling you, it matters how you control your thought life. And if you'll do that, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will absolutely do its job. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wasn't that good tonight? Did you learn something? Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.